Mimosas with Michael. Mimosas with Michael. Mimosas with Michael. Everybody, it's Michael Coulomb with Mimosas with Michael. I hope everybody's having a great week. Um, so I'm, I know I say this every week, but I actually am excited about this, this guest this week. Um, I want to present to you my dear friend, Jeffrey Reddick. Hi, Jeffrey. Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So I'm just going to go right into it. So Jeffrey and I have known each other for ages, for way too long. Um, but for the, for the point of the podcast, it's just been a couple of years. So we can both be young. Yeah, we, we, well, we, we met when we were babies. Yeah, just little wee lads. Yeah, we met in in, in uh, daycare. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but um, I am such a huge fan of Jeffrey because most people know Jeffrey as the writer of the original um, Final Destination. And you also wrote the story for the second one, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay, please, please educate me if I'm incorrect, but I think I've known you long enough to kind of know your biography. Yeah, and I wrote, the, I wrote the original draft of Final Destination, so I always give props to James Wong and Glenn Morgan, uh, the director and his writing partner who came on and revamped it but uh yeah, yeah. but i mean we wouldn't have had that baby yeah absolutely <laughs> um but you're here to talk about your awesome i mean first of all i have to be honest i'm very i want to say this and i mean this personally from the bottom of my heart i am so proud of you for this movie because i watched it i loved it i remember you sort of having this concept years ago when we first met and to like see it go through this this process of like you writing it rewriting it i know you sort of shot a short version of it if i'm correct Right. Yeah, I, I shot a short. Yeah, based off the feature. Yeah, because uh, everybody was like, "Yeah, do a short, so we can see that you can direct, and then we'll finance it." So then I did a short, and they're like, "Do a feature, and then we'll finance." It's like, oh god. People, yeah, welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> welcome to Hollywood. But but this this feature, and I love. I mean, it's your directorial directorial debut, and it's called "Don't Look Back." Yeah. Yes, uh, I loved it. I thought it was there was a really there's a couple of great jump scares that got even me. You know, I, I make horror all the time. Yeah. Um, and then we could talk about all the things that I thought were really cool about it, but I wanted to just, I wanted you to talk. I wanted you to talk. So you, you, you made this movie, you, you directed it in Louisiana. Yeah. We shot it in Baton Rouge. That's fun. Yeah. No, it was really nice. Everybody was really wonderful down there. They were just such a, you know, they have a good film, uh, base, a lot in new Orleans, but, uh, yeah. everybody there is just so nice and accommodating. It's, it's so much different than shooting movies in like big cities like LA or New York where everything's expensive and, you know, people have movies shot all the time. So they're just like, give us money and we'll let you do it. And, or they just, for some reason you're in the way, like you're just, yeah, in the way. cause yeah. it's such a big city and there's no room. And then it's, you descend on a small location with like 40 people. Well, maybe not so much presently cause of COVID, but before. Yeah. And they're just like, uh, but in small towns, when I shoot movies in small towns, they're just like, you can shoot anywhere. Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, we made you cookies. And like, like yeah. the, the, the town mayor comes. I've done that before. I was, I did a movie in, I think just outside of Seattle, like the town mayor came and, and introduced everybody. We got little town pins. Like it's so oh, crazy. Yeah. Like it's amazing. Like, yeah. you should, yeah. So I, I mean, not that I don't. Shooting, I highly recommend shooting in, in small towns. <laughs> yeah, they're very common because they love, they love the consistent business. Yeah. You know, in film people, when we're on location, we drop money because 
we have nothing to do. So we're like, oh, let's just go out and drink every night and go eat dinner yeah. and go, <laughs> you know, support the, and they love that. So yeah, absolutely. Just to get excited. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just so proud of you. So I don't know. Well, you want to, what do you, I mean, you directed your first feature, man, and it's out and it's really good. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 you know, I'm really excited. You know, it's, you know, they always say like your first time, you know, like these movies come out and it's like, you think it's overnight, but yeah, it's, it's been a long road. I mean, we were, we were trying to get this financed. We had a couple, we had a studio pick it up at one point and then right before we started filming, they closed their film division. So, you know, this business is just like, you know how the business is. So, after that happened, uh, my producer, Andrew Vandenhouten, and I and um, Andy Steinman, we were just like, let's just do it ourselves, you know, because I turned down, you know, when you're, because it, it's a long commitment to make a feature. So I had turned down writing work on a couple yeah. of, st- to staff a couple of shows. And I'm like, you know what, I can't, we just can't keep waiting for other people to come in and finance a film. So we just decided to kind of shoot it indie style and um, yeah, just do it. And uh, it was really stressful and it was really exciting and I learned so much and we had a lot of great people that worked for us. So um, yeah. it's nice to see it finally come out. Well, I'm glad I, I'm, I was excited. I, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I just curled up in my bed and I, I watched it on a computer and I just put my headphones on and I was just all in it and it was so much fun. It really is. I'm so proud of you for that, man. Thank um, you. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun to make and it, you know, it is funny because the time, the time of year has kind of been a little rocky because it's, you know, you, Halloween's good for like hardcore horror films, but when I wrote this, it was kind of never, you know, I have many hardcore horror scripts and this one was written to always be more of like a social commentary thriller. Um, yeah. So, you know, coming out around Halloween uh, where people kind of watch their favorite Halloween movies and then obviously, with, you know, with the elections um, happening, like it was, you know, it, it was, you know, you're, you're really trying to get out there and, and get people, uh, to notice it and watch it. Yeah. Kind of came good, in under the radar a tad bit. I Just a tad bit under the radar. I think just because of all the sort of like, there was so much going on around it. Yeah. There's so much noise in the world. And plus, you know, I mean, the whole world is kind of suffering from the same, you know, you know, the, the pandemic and the economic crisis. So, you know, it's, it's understandable. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, the response has been really positive. So I've been really excited about that. Well, I do, I do like the social commentary aspect because, um, you know, I mean, I, for those who haven't seen the movie, it's basically about this woman witnesses a crime, a murder, but instead of people helping, you know, somebody records it and stuff. And it's so like, it's the backlash of people responding to like, you saw this person being, you know, her and you didn't do anything. And I can't, I can't stress, I think how prevalent that is nowadays between the good and the bad. Cause if it wasn't for something like that, we wouldn't have something like what happened with George Floyd, you know? Right. And it, it's, it's not that, I mean, what can you do? You can't fight against the police. I get that in that sense. But like, there are those moments where like, when do you, when do you go to help? You know, granted the the lead actress called 911 luckily. So she was trying to do something, but. Yeah. And I mean, that's almost the least that you can ask from people and you kind of see it even more today. I think people's first instinct is when they see something bad happening, they want to record it and put it on online uh, because they're trying to get viral fame instead of like, Hey, why don't you call nine one one with that phone before you start recording on it? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, call, no. like I see calls. I see calls where people are filming like a beating or something, and they're literally on the you know recording it, going, "Should we call the police?" And I'm like, "You've got a friggin' phone in your hand. Of course you should call the police." Yeah, like you didn't call the police. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So I have a smartwatch and a cell phone, so I can record it and call. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, cool. No, that's yeah. no, but but I get. You know, it's interesting. I get why people like, and like, again, I'm just going back to the George Floyd. I get why people do it because it's so, you're like, no one's going to believe this. And it's like, this is that moment where like, if you didn't capture it, 
you know. But yeah. at the same time, you're like, I hope someone's calling nine one one. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I come from a time when we didn't have cell phones. So our first, my first reaction would always be to call nine one one. Yeah, right. And I think so. that's the kind of gray area, you know, that I wanted to explore with this because you know some people have reasons that are valid and some people have reasons that are valid in their head and then some people have selfish reasons yeah um so i kind of wanted to explore that um like if i'm with a friend and i'm like record this because we, we this is gonna we might need this to help this person but i'm gonna call i'm yeah. down for that because at least i feel like it's this double thing where you're like we got to make sure we get something like this on camera because it's powerful not not for social media i'm talking about like yeah yeah you know, absolutely so I think that's – and I really think nowadays, especially like the political climate we've gone through and everything, I think that's what makes this movie so so powerful in that aspect. It's like, you know, yes, you probably can't jump in, but there was at least three men that witnessed that crime in the movie, and all three of them could have taken on that one guy perhaps, you know. Yeah, or yeah. again, they could have just called the police. You know, it's always yeah. – it's funny because you never want to tell people like, jump in and fight, and then they end up getting like hurt themselves. But Exactly. But yeah, like, you know – one of them like takes off and he's got a very selfish reason for taking off um, with the woman he's with. And the other one yeah. gets held back and you're not sure because he's like, Oh, I was kind of staying to protect her because she was worried he might have a gun, but you're not sure if he was really worried, yeah. worried himself or not, you know, not a, brave enough to step up. So yeah. that's where the fun I think lies when, with these kind of stories. Well, then I thought about it and I was like, God, if I actually saw something like that, like I wonder it kind of makes you wonder, you're like, how would I react in that situation? And you'd like to think that you do, you would do the right thing, except yeah. you never know until you're in that situation. Absolutely. Yeah, I really yeah. do. And I think, again, that's what makes this this part part of the of the the movie so so tantamount in the sense is it's like, I think sitting here talking to you right now that I would definitely call the police or try to at least get the guy's attention so he would stop beating the guy. Yeah. But like, it's easy to say that till I'm there, and I'm like, I don't want to get like you know, it's like, so. So yeah. that's what I think is, is is awesome about that. But I would like to think that I would at least call the police because I've done that before. Yeah, I think I would call the – yeah, I would call the police at, for sure. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, after this story has been in, been in my brain for so long. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I would obviously call the police. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily rush into a situation unless I had sussed out, like – Yeah. Who's and they tell you all the time, just don't, don't play the hero. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, so t tell me about what your first, I mean, what was it like to direct your first feature? Like, what was the feeling? How did you go about it? Was uh, it, it was like? great. I mean, we, you know, I, I, I went through kind of the normal stuff that we did. We did, you know, the pre-production, we went down to Baton Rouge for four weeks and did that. Nice. Um, I certainly going from like a, a studio budget where we'd had ever kind of, you know, when you have a lot more money, you can just, if there's a problem, you just put more money towards yeah. it and it goes away. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of storyboarded the movie and did everything based on a bigger budget. So when we got down there we, and some locations weren't available anymore and some new ones came up and there were some, you know, so we were kind of just dealing with all the logistical um, issues that come up when you're shooting an indie film. So that was, that was a learning experience because I've been to so many sets and you kind of, you know, you, if you're on sets for a long time and you, and you watch a lot of movies and you read a lot of stuff, you, and I did the short and that was kind of, that was, I don't want to say easy, but it, it was pretty easy to do. I mean, it's um, much easier to do more short form than long yeah. form. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I did go down there. Like I said, it was a learning experience because I didn't realize how much I didn't know until I got down there on set. And then you're in the trenches, yeah. um, you know, dealing with problems, you know, every four hours or more or less, you know, 
some new issue kind of comes up. And luckily, you've got a crew around you who's kind of buffering you from a lot of it. But a lot of it does come back to you because you have to make decisions to. Yeah. But you, and you were also directing, but you're also producing and you also wrote it. So you probably were dealing with like three different sort of. Like, yeah, I wasn't produce- technically producing this, this one. Um, okay, good. Good. Okay. I don't think that I, oh yeah, I was an executive producer on this one. Okay. That's um, fair. That's true. Yeah. 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 So, but uh, yeah, that, that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had time to do all that. I mean, I, I still did a lot more work than I think a, a typical writer and director has yeah. to do on their film. But, you know, again, that's the, that's, that's one of the things of, of making films indie style. You got to wear a lot of hats and, yeah, you know, yeah. again, we had a great team and a great cast that was working to like, you know, we were all working for towards the same goal. So, oh, of course, yeah. And I did, and I did like that your your lead actress was was a young black female. It's not really something you see a lot. And then yeah. she was dating a a white man, which is something you really don't see a lot, especially in movies. So I really like that. You know, because yeah, and that was part of you know because it's it's funny because I'm you know I'm a biracial child, so. which I knew that, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's funny because you know, it's it's hard enough to see. It's hard enough to find like a lot of you know, men and women of color like in leads in in any yeah. film, but especially horror films. It's gotten better for sure. Um, yeah, but then you also don't see a lot of interracial couples because there's yeah. still there's still a societal taboo about that that we don't acknowledge too much. And yeah you know, from, from all sides, you know, there, there are issues from all sides. And, you know, so I have a lot of biracial friends and they're like, yeah, you know, like anybody, visibility is so important uh, just so people can see their lives and themselves reflected on screen. So. Um, and and that was one of the first things, first things I noticed, cause I knew that you were biracial and I saw that I was like, that's awesome. And I, I had been in a biracial, biracial relationship. So like, um, and I don't, to me, it didn't deter from the movie. Like it just felt more real because it was like, yeah. these are just, and I, I like that because I think it wasn't like, we can't, we just don't have to get pretty people. Like she was actually, she was a good actress. You know, yeah. she, she was uh, great on camera. Uh, they looked good together. Yeah. You know, and, and they had great chemistry. So, and then I also like that, that, that there was the, bro- I, I don't know if this was intentional. So this is something I got as somebody who watched the movie, but I felt like um, there was, times because she also is trying to redeem herself by getting to know the brother yeah the, the guy that gets killed and you, and you, because he's white you're like oh like like i think her boyfriend starts feeling threatened which is is sort of like you know i don't know if that's something you did on purpose but i was like oh that's kind of cool he can feel a little threatened you know and that's something yeah. that's real too yeah and I, I mean i wrote that in intentionally a little bit in the script because a lot of times in these movies you know when the person pairs up with somebody else that's attractive and on the same mission as they are they yeah. they start to potentially be romantic sparks we didn't go down that road because uh, there just wasn't time to really get into it but yeah. you know she feels so much guilt for not helping his brother that you know and so much sympathy for him um yeah. that you do wonder like maybe if her boyfriend doesn't start supporting her more like is she gonna fall for this guy and i like that yeah i thought that was great you know this the human emotion, man. And of course, because they both experience the same thing—a loss of somebody. Yeah, that's that's so tantamount. Never able to gather. Exactly. Um, and then, okay, so let's talk Final Destination. Sorry, I love this movie. You know, it's my favorite franchise. Of course, I'm so, I'm no. so proud of it. It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a podcast <laughs> if I didn't talk about Final Destination. <laughs> well, we, we can we can literally talk about everything. Um, no, no. But but I do know the audience. I mean, because it's it's kind of like you know it's a 
it's like it's it's sort of the thing that like launched you into like your career and it's yeah it's the same thing when I, when I was interviewing James Duvall I was like we have to talk about we talk about Frank from from Donnie Darko it's kind of like your iconic character and he's like oh no and he even had like like a mold of, of of the Frank head which I thought was amazing oh yeah I mean I honestly like I I love talking about it I mean it's just you know being a horror fan myself I've said this a lot but just being growing up as a horror fan you know I realize how blessed I am you know and, yeah. and it's it was such a dream come true to have like something that you created originally yeah. like turn into something that's kind of part of the cultural zeitgeist now you know like I'll hear people on the street you know talking about oh, that was a final destination moment you know and I don't even know them and I want to be like ah. I don't even know that you're there right? yeah you're just like yes it was that's yes, I love that was. that's that's so that's a beautiful story so if there's somebody who's known you as long as I have, and I, and I know you've been talking about it for years, I feel like there's prob- I've probably heard a lot of the stories about Final Destination just because I know you personally. Yeah. Um, so I really want to tie it into this. So how did, so you, you wrote Final Destination and it got made. How did you approach this movie differently as a writer? Do you know what I'm saying? Knowing that there's, there, I think in some small ways there's similarities because you do have your own yeah. voice. So how did you approach um, this project differently? Well, I think the biggest difference um, – because to be honest, you know, there, you know, with don't look back, it's more of a what's doing it. Like you're not sure if there's a supernatural threat coming after them or a killer coming after them. So it really is more of a mystery because, you know, in a typical horror film, you know, you have big bloody set pieces and, and I couldn't really show any of that because you don't know who or what is after them. Yeah. Um, I I like that too. So with, um, so that, that inherently made me, make it different than Final Destination just because I couldn't rely on like the supernatural stuff I would normally do in a film like this, or I couldn't rely on the slasher stuff that I would normally do on a film like this. So um, I think that that inherently made it different. I mean, there, there was a point where I, at one point I was just, cause everybody keeps saying, bring me something like Final Destination. There was a point where I was thinking, you know what, let me just make it straight up supernatural. It's karma and it, kills the crap out of them (laughs) every one of them but then i realized you know that's just kind of cannibalizing myself which again is not a bad thing but for my first time out of the gate you know as a director i wanted to do something that was different than final destination but it's obviously got some even you know the setup with a bunch of people with something happening and the ramifications of of it um, yeah yeah of course yeah it's going to draw draw parallels and um you know, Caitlin in the film is like a, is a Christian. And so she starts seeing signs around her and seeing this specific, you know, Bible quote that is like leading her to believe something supernatural is after them and can kind of lead her to solving mm-hmm. this mystery. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in Final Destination, Alex, you know, was kind of looking for the signs that death was around. So, yeah. um, you know, those, those kind of parallel, those two parallels were going to, be there. And I, and I realize a lot of my stuff is about that, you know, but which it's a lot, a lot of times it's a horror tradition, especially in this stuff I grew up on where like a group of people, you know, do something and then it cuts to 10 years later and whatever they did comes back to haunt them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just another trope that we all, I've probably done it in my writing and stuff too. So I get yeah, it. You just kind of grew up on that a lot. So I think for this one, I, you know, I, I wanted to t- tap into that thematic idea that we can all relate to like we've all been yeah. in situations where we've seen something happen and we're like should i get involved should i not get involved so i wanted to kind of tap into that and um and again just play it out in a more emotional kind of 
fan, you know, mystery kind of fashion, as opposed to just, again, going this straight up horror out. So if I'd have gone, you know, like, let's just make this movie karma and have karma, like, again, like I said, just ripping people up. Um, it yeah. would have been a horror film. It would have been more of a horror film, but it would have. Yeah. Also, what's great is, is so that your audience that knows you as the guy that wrote Final Destination and they're so familiar with like, because there's been five of them now and the fifth one was really a prequel. So, you know, it's it's great that like now they get to see not only did you write this, but you get to direct it. So it's definitely much more your original vision than like Final Destination was where you just wrote it, but it got changed, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I kind of like was, that. But it- yeah, but it's interesting because you, when you haven't directed before, a lot of times as a writer, you're like, you know, that script doesn't look anything like my movie. And the funny thing is, even with me directing it, yeah, the movie doesn't look like the script in my head that I that I first wrote because, again, it was like I wrote it for a certain budget. And yeah, then when of course. You, when you go indie, then all of a sudden it's like, oh well, I can't do this, and I can't have these set pieces, and I've got to kind of consolidate locations, and then you start like changing stuff to adapt, and then once you start editing it it also can turn into kind of a different yeah. film than what you, than all the footage you shot. So it's a very interesting like process. Well, I will tell you, yeah, I, it doesn't feel indie to me, by the way, I didn't get that vibe. So well, I mean, we worked our asses off uh-huh. to make sure that. The well, Mike Mendez is great. Mike was your editor. Yeah. I've yeah. worked with him before. He's great. And then, um, but I do, I do, I do know that there's always the movie you write and then there's a movie you shoot and there's a movie you edit and they're always different. Yeah. So. Yes, absolutely. And, but you know, um, I I think going into that, it's it's not always a necessarily bad thing because you find such beautiful moments that, or, or you know, like your editor can bring something and you're like, oh, like I never thought about that. That's great. Oh, it yeah. really tells this part of the story, and it's nice to have that sort of like. It's one thing I love about filmmaking that collaboration you get from other people, you know, that are involved. Yeah, I'm very big on that too, and I know a lot of filmmakers not aren't necessarily like that. <laughs> um, they don't like to collaborate, but don't for me, them. just also having a theater background, like it it you know i'm always like hey if you've got a great idea like let me know because if it makes the film better you know again that's great so i'm very collaborative and obviously once you start filming there has to be a there has to be a little bit of a line drawn like it's like of course people can suggest stuff on but you don't want like you know a producer coming up and going why don't we add a you know yeah like we're already shooting calm down you know yeah it's like no calm down that's so funny um and i know we talked about this before but i do want to do say it on the air that um, I like that you made one of the characters, Tony Cusimano, for the, um, in memory of our dear friend that passed yeah. away. Uh, yeah. So I, I was excited about that. When I saw that, I was like, oh, you know what? God, you know, God bless his soul. So uh, that's, that's nice. That is one thing I love about art is that you're able to do, to do things like that to, to sort of give memory to the people that have shaped our lives. Yeah. In a way. So I, I like that. So that Yeah, and I think it's um... – you know, it's kind of the one thing, you know, it's not the one thing, but it's one of the things that we can do is when we're making films is yeah. like, if there is somebody important, you know, we can name a character after them or immortalize them on yeah. film. Um, yeah. Or in a book or, yeah, or in some a, sort of art. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he, he was a, yeah, he was a wonderful guy and, and a way bigger horror geek than me. Like, I mean, he knew so oh, much. Yeah. He was like one of those like you could never you would never play trivia with him because he would just kick your ass six ways. Yeah, to you, he's the one you wanted on your team. Yeah, you want on your trivia team because he needs so much. He needs such a sweet soul. So yeah. Yeah, I have two like that now. Brantley, who you know, uh, my writing partner, and then my cousin Daryl. They're just it's like if there's anything about horror, like they know. 
that's yeah and it's like no a lot but i just i feel like when i talk to my friends that go to the, do these horror trivias all the time yeah they know so many specific details about such small things and i'm like i feel i am not playing with you guys because i don't yeah like you're like, <laughs> like i'm part of the i'm part of the industry and i don't even know that's the funniest thing yeah so what's going on with you next then i know you've been busy busy writing and doing things there's anything you talk about now or do oh, i just have yeah, to have no, on the I'm show really again did you know i um you know, I also produced a movie um, called The Call that had Lynn Shay and Tobin Bell in it. And yes. Chuck uh, yeah. Timothy Woodard Jr., who directed The Final Wish with Lynn Shay that I produced with uh, Tommy Hudson. Um, yeah. You know, we kind of reunited for this project. Nice. And um, it was really great to get, you know, Lynn and Tobin together on screen again. And um, the movie just came out on VOD a couple weeks ago, uh, just a, like a couple weeks after my movie did. So I have nice. two of them out there. So you can do a double feature. Um, but it's a really fun, you know, fun horror film with, again, two icons in the in the genre who've never been together on screen. So it's, it's really great to see them on screen. Yeah. And um, so that was exciting. And I'm working um, on two Netflix animated series. Oh, nice. So I've, I've gone from, like, murdering people to only killing a few people, but mostly the stories are about life lessons um, oh, and fun. fun adventures. But uh, one is based off, it's a spinoff of the Usagi Ojimbo uh, Japanese cartoon, or comic oh. book, sorry. Okay. Um, so, you know, we have nice. the blessing of the creator on this, and it's been really fun to write. And the other one hasn't been announced yet, so I can't say anything about it, but it comes out in ha- Halloween of 2021. Well, I guess we're going to have you on the back of the show then. Yeah. Yeah. So working on, you know, working on animated stuff, working on, you know, trying to get, get some features going once we kind of sort out what's happening with, with COVID, you know, because obviously that's affecting, you know, how films are made and when productions can start. So a lot of the business has been put pretty much on hold since beginning of the year, March. And Um, how are you surviving through everything? Um, luckily, you know, being a writer, you're kind of used to being solitary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Without a doubt. You're like, thanks for this. I appreciate this. Yeah, no. So it hasn't bothered me too much. Again, like I, I certainly have spent too much time obsessing about news and worrying about, you know, like, you know, I'm just very, I'm a cancer. So I worry, you know, so when I hear all these stories of people getting sick and losing their jobs and dying, it like, it really bothers me. So it's heartbreaking to like stay in gratitude as much as I can. So I don't get bummed out by that stuff. But I have noticed myself going a little cabin fevery because um, yeah. I started, in the last couple of months, I've started having like nightmares where or, or dreams where I'll wake up and I'm still talking to the people that I was talking to in my dream. And I never used to do that. And oh, I'd say it's a lot. I'll just wake up and I'll be half asleep and half awake and like talking like I'm in my dream. And then sometimes I'll fall back into the dream and sometimes I won't. And I'm, I, I know that's not like, going getting cabin fever but it's just something it's a behavior thing that i've never Sounds had like there's a movie there yeah you never know the, the movie talker <laughs> yeah you also did a movie um oh my god i'm, I'm gonna i'm so bad i should know this off. is it dead dead awake dead awake i like that one i remember watching that one that was really good but you didn't direct that one you just wrote it yeah okay yeah i, I wrote I'm and produced s- that one and that was um yeah philip guzman did that and that's also out now it's on yeah. um video on demand it's about sleep paralysis and it's yeah we had a you know philip's an amazing guy and an amazing director and and we had a wonderful cast jocelyn donahue brea grant jesse bradford Lori petty wait did i i think i i can't believe i don't remember the time but i think i went to the screening i think that was the last time i saw you was at the screening of this movie yeah 
Yes, that's right. Yep. Okay. Oh, it's out now. That's good. That's we'll the link. Yeah. Oh, that was a good one too. Thank you. I'm yeah. so proud of you. I mean, every, you know, I I've been following your journey for the for a long time, and like you're just doing so good. It just humbles me because you're one of my favorite people. Like you've always been like I think one of the most, one of the the nicest, truest, and like most supportive people around. And so like to to see such great things happening for you is just it gives me hope. You know, because like if anybody deserves it, it's definitely you. Right. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, you know, my mom, my mom raised me right. I'll say, and and yes, she did. Uh, so, so I give all credit to my mom, um, and just how I treat people and how I, you know, conduct myself, like personally and professionally. I, I just, yeah, you know, I try to just be honest with everybody, and you know, try not to, you know, do wrong by anybody. And you yeah. know, sometimes those are just like general things that we should. It's a good. Look, of, it's a good. It's a good way to live. Yeah, really and, and you said why, why, and support your friends. Like why, you know, like I wouldn't get, I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for people supporting me, if it wasn't for fans supporting me and seeing my stuff. So, um, you know, the obviously I'm going to support people whose work I enjoy or friends of mine and people that I know. So, well, I've always been. Every time you support me, I'm like, oh my god, like, I guess it's 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 just because you to me you're where I want to be and so like when you like when you take the time out of like where you are to be to, to help me I'm just like it's humbling it, you know I, I've gotten the same support from like Victor Miller who, who wrote you know uh, Friday the 13th and like Harry Manfredini the composer and like sometimes like they take the time to assist me and I'm just like so I try to do the same thing to other people that are coming up I try to help them and like try to pay it forward because absolutely um, because we're all just people you know like yeah but if there's anything yeah. this movie's taught me it's karma <laughs> The karma. So I like to have good karma. I really like to have good karma all the time. <laughs> me too. I just do it too because I just I feel feel bad. It just makes me feel better. Like if I if I feel like I hurt somebody's feelings or offended yeah. somebody, it just bothers me. Um, if, I, if I'm the reason why some, I'd rather be the reason why someone is lifted and wants to follow their passion rather than the guy that that crushes their dreams. Because I can't tell you how many times on my journey, people have been the ones to be like don't do this. Are you sure you want to do this? Or that particular project wasn't good. And you're just like, but like, they don't tell you why they're just like, man. And so it's like, they're the ones that are crushing my dream. And it's like, you have to, that's always like one more wrong. You have to kind of get over on that yeah. ladder to success. And I'd rather be, be somebody that's kind of lifting them up rather than pulling them down. Yeah. And, and that I happens just, when you, when you do a, when you want to have a career in any kind of art form, you know, yeah. or probably even sports, I think probably sports, you get more respect, but you know, they always, cut like artistic programs at schools, you know, that's the first thing to go out of budgets. And, you know, we just don't have a society that values art in any form, um, which I shouldn't say we don't have a society that values it, but they don't value it like they do. Like the common theme is like, you know, even when I told my mom I wanted to be an actor, she's like, well, you know, you're going to have to study something and get a real job. You know, like that's the attitude. Oh yeah. We've, been, yeah, we've both been there, you know, you know, so and you've met my mom. So, you know, yeah. Whether you're a writer, actor, director, photographer, sculptor, like, yeah, people are going to be like, yeah, but what's your real job? You like, know, art. Uh, art. But, and here's what's so interesting: if this is one thing the pandemic has taught us is when when everything shut down, all we had was art. We had reading, we had movies and television, yeah. and I think that was more prevalent now than ever. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I it's what I, I attribute to becoming a photographer because I had bought a camera back in January because I wanted to take better pictures, but I couldn't do anything during the pandemic. All I did was write. I got hired to write a few scripts, and I took pictures. Yeah, and, if it, and the photography is what made me kind of stay sane. Yeah, I, you know, it's so funny. I studied photography in high school and worked in the dark room, and I loved it. Yeah, I haven't gotten back into that. I, I now's your chance. I probably should. Yeah, 
Now that you now you got me thinking about that, I should. Hey, I told you, I'm here to lift people up. <laughs> I'm here to lift people, up. but it it was great because it's something you could, it was something I could do during COVID that I could be distanced from people and still feel creative when I wasn't writing. Because if I right. finished a project and I was like, well, I'm stuck in this damn house for hours and I got to get out, and I I had this camera, so I took pictures of flowers and like just things. I just if I saw something. And I went back to the, you know, I came back home and I, I, I practiced in Lightroom. I was like, oh, maybe this picture will look great in black and white, or I could make this part pop. And it's just like, I would still be able to be creative, yeah. but people don't realize that like you couldn't do sports because it was, it was, it brought people to, together in person. And that, that was just not a safe thing to do at the moment. Right. So all we had was art and you're just like, I just wish that people realize I'm glad. I mean, I, it's, it's kind of a shame it took this for people to realize that. Yeah. Yeah, it's always, you know, it's always sad when it takes like a tragic event to make people kind of realize some of the things in life that are important and what's really important in life. And of course, I can't tell anybody what's important in their life. But, you know, I think I think you speak to a very good point that even if they're not consciously aware of, you know, artists like they did, you know, they they watched like 100 movies or (laughs) Hundred movies, or, or, Netflix, or, HBO in a while. or Amazon. Exactly. So, exactly, they were streaming like crazy. So, yeah. Well, I really, I wish all like everybody go. Please check out this movie. Um, it to me, it's good. And if you love horror, you're definitely gonna like because it, it has all the great tropes. But then there's also new things about it. Because just when I thought I knew it was happening, I was like, oh, oh, and then I was just, I was like, oh, like it just kept going, you know, up until the very end, and I was like. I said, I see you, Jeffy. And I, I was, I looked at your mind when the movie was done. I was like, I'm so proud of you, man. Like it's, 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 it's oh, a fun, you, fun, that means a lot. Fun, fun movie. Does. It's, and you got me a couple of times. I jumped a couple of times. I was like, Oh, okay, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. It's hard because you know, you put the jump scare cause you know, you have to have jump scares. Yeah. Especially when you can't show like really bloody or scary, intense death scenes, you have to yeah. have jump scares. Um, yeah, but you didn't overdo it. And I was happy about that. You know, like there was just some suspense, but there was, some jump scares and the payoffs are really good. So thank you for that. Yeah. I cut a, I cut a couple because I was just like, yeah, this is too many. So I cut I a couple. Sh- there was one moment. I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to give it away, but it's right after she, she goes into the morgue to verify oh, yeah. the body. And there's that, uh, the thing, but Oh, with her head, Oh, I was the hand. Oh my God. I couldn't, it was, I was like, that just creeped me out. It was so good. That was one of my favorite moments. Yeah. And that was, um, that was all done practically. And of course, yeah, and I actually, that shot, I'm really proud of it, or that scene, because I came up with that scare, at, like, the day before we were shooting. Oh, wow. Because okay. originally it was going to, the scare was going to involve Douglas's spirit. And I'm like, you know, we've already seen that enough. Like, I don't yeah. want to show, I don't want to show him again. Um, and that's one of those beautiful gems you find on set. I love that. You just like. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, let me just do this. And then um, I think it turned out really well. I think it turned out. I just saw the movie. I thought I loved it. So, and where people, where can people find you? Um, I think following me on Twitter is the best thing to do. It's Jeffrey okay. A Reddick. I'm also under. I'm also at that same handle on Instagram. I just don't do Instagram enough. Yeah, you're um, definitely on Twitter. I yeah. don't have enough. I mean, I'm going to start taking more cat pictures, but I don't travel enough, and I'm not taking my clothes off enough to have a you know to have a <laughs> people follow me on Twitter. No so, thirst trap Thursdays, huh? I'm, yeah, I'm going to start using my cat more, though. I have my there cat. You here, go. So I think I'm just going to hey. start pimping that cat out like a like a tramp. People love cats. People do. They so love cats. like the cat writer. I like it. It works for me. 
Oh, Jeffy, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I really, 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 really. Thank you for having me. And uh, anytime, my friend. And I look forward to seeing you um, when we can see each other in person. When it's safe. Soon, we hope. But I I like the the look you're rocking. You look very, like, jockey. I know. I'm so good. Well, this is the But you got the double and the the shirt. and. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I I didn't, I mean, it. Well, I just bought this jacket the other day. I liked it because it's kind of like a jean jacket, but then like the sleeves are a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. But then the hat, I just because um, this is my photography hat, so I just wear. I never wear hats, but then like I don't know. It's so cold right now. I'm just kind of all like huddled in my little corner here talking to you online. Oh, awesome, but thank you. Well, you, you look very butch. Not that, oh. that you know. Not, not that you need to look butch. You know. No, but hey, that's what I was going for. I didn't. Yeah, I, I needed to shave. But what happened was, is my charger wasn't shaved when I. I was like, oh, I guess I'm just going to rock the – it's fine. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm still keeping my... the grays. I was going to start dyeing my hair, but I'm like, ah, yeah. screw it. No, you that Obama thing going on. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You look like you could be president for eight years. So that's perfect. I I actually – now I think I could – I wouldn't want to be president, but I'm pretty sure um, that with the bar that's been set, I could be president for eight years. Oh, my years. God. It's so low. It's so e- – yeah. yeah. You're so easy. Totally. It's so easy. Probably could be president for eight, for eight years. <laughs> well, we'll do that. Well, Jeffrey Reddick, 2024. <laughs> um anyways uh my dear friend it's such such a pleasure um you. you guys please please follow him on not the gram but follow him on twitter i guess and yeah. uh find out what he's up to and please 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 go watch the movie don't look back on it's on vod now right it's out now yeah it's on itunes amazon voodoo fandango now nah, it's on all the youtube it's on all the places you're, where you can it's buy on, it. yeah there's a movie you're yeah. gonna find it you guys all watch the, the movie and then spam jeffrey's twitter with how much you love it and tell him your favorite scene <laughs> okay. Do it. Do it. Do it's it. His first movie. You got to go see it. This is a guy Michael that Michael Cologne challenge. Spam the hell out of me. That's right. <laughs> Just say I love the movie. Span the hell. Well, because you want you want to hear from your fans, and you wrote Final Destination. It's everybody loves that movie. So now we got to go rock your first directorial debut. Oh, thank you, man. My pleasure. Uh, stay tuned. Stay here. Um, but you guys check out Mimosas with Michael. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio and YouTube and now Instagram TV. Thank you, everybody. This is Michael Colomb. And thank you to my, my dear, dear friend, Jeffrey Reddick. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. <laughs>